So, what were your thoughts about the Bizarro Star Wars? <laughs> what? Rumor has it George Lucas tried unsuccessfully to get the rights to make this movie, and so instead he made Star Wars. What we just watched, there could be no Star Wars. He basically had to make his own version because he couldn't make the movie that we're talking about today. So did he lose the rights to another director? Is that what you think I think happened? he lost the rights to your boy. Dino? Dino De Laurentiis. Oh, shit. And Dino didn't want uh, George doing this shit for him? I mean, you've seen George Lucas movies. Do you blame him? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty interesting to think that if George Lucas had have been able to make this movie, we might have never got one of the most successful movie franchises of all time. Fuck yeah, man. It's a real sliding doors moment. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And if you couldn't gather it from our little brief conversation there, today we are talking about Flash Gordon... Yes. Savior of the universe. <laughs> ah! Yeah, this is uh this was a request today. We are it's our first request of the season. Yeah, this is a, a friend of the show's BJ uh, sent in this request. He heard our <laughs> our Moonraker episode and decided that uh, we had to watch this one as uh, he thought there were some good connections there. Well, and uh, here's a connection on the top of my head. Moonraker, of course, James Bond movie. This features uh, future James Bond, Timothy Dalton, when the time this was made. Yes. So we've got a James Bond connection there. Yeah, Timothy Dalton plays a very prominent role in this. He's, uh, he's a prince character, very much uh, played in the vein of Errol Flynn in many of his movies. He looks a little Robin Hood-ish, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's the all green outfit and the mustache. Definitely the mustache. But the great news for Timothy Dalton fans, he gets angry, which is his move when you use James Bond. You just get mad at shit. <laughs> so yeah, we are going to talk about Flash Gordon today by special request to BJ. And uh, before we do, let's talk about this beer that we're having, as we always do. We drink a beer with the movie that we watch. I had a hard time saying that because I'm drunk. <laughs> we drank one of these while watching and we're drinking another one now. This is called Bad Moon Rising from the Third Moon Third Moon Brewing Co. in Milton. Uh, This is a double IPA popping in at 8%. They have been killing it. So people have been just clamoring to get their hands on their beers. There's stuff that gets released, and if you're not ordering it or there right away, it disappears at the door. We we took a visit ourselves there to grab and try some stuff, and I've really enjoyed all the things that we've had so far. Yeah, they do a lot of, uh, they do a lot of like, slushy sours, which, as you know me, Fruited Sour Man, I love that shit, and um, yeah, very popular. A lot of, like, best of new beer in Ontario stuff, so... They yeah. got a lot of they got a lot of steam right now, and I gotta say, everything I've tasted there so far, I've enjoyed. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is actually a collaboration. Yeah, with Badlands Brewing Company, who I think are out of Caledon. You're the beer guy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know this isn't up your alley. You're not a double IPA guy, but I think uh, I'm definitely going to enjoy it. Yeah, and the connection will become very clear once we get into talking about the movie. So let's crack this bad boy open and get started. So we start, where else? In space, we've got a voiceover. Uh, It's Ming the Merciless, the emperor of the, I guess, like, I don't know if you call it a fucking constellation. It's a whole bunch of moons. It's like a moon kingdom called Mongo. I think he calls it the universe, but yes, emperor of the universe, Ming. Well, in his mind, I guess. He is bored. He's got a lot of power and, I guess, a lot of time on his hands. He wants to know what he can do to amuse himself. And the answer is, fuck with Earth, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, this is funny. We get, uh, it almost looks like an old-timey arcade game. You've got sort of the crosshairs and some funky kind of graphics coming off it. And then you see buttons that say things like tornado, earthquake, and then hot hail? Yeah, apparently he can just cause any kind of natural disaster on Earth that he wants to. 
And uh, he starts with the hot hail, <laughs> which I didn't know was a thing. Uh, I love it. We get a little explanation of that hot hail later. It's apparently the moon, chunks of the moon heating up and getting launched. Well, down this is us. our this is our beer connection. So before that, we've got the credits. It's a Dino De Laurentiis production, which we both just pop for that because oh. at this point. Dino, Dino has appeared in so many of our movies. Dino is setting us up for success. Dino is starting to become a Nolan favorite for sure. Starting to. I mean, oh he already gosh. is. I was going to say. Yeah. As we're going through the credits, first of all, the credits are incredible. We've got Queen pumping out the Flash Gordon theme song, which is a fucking banger. And as I'm seeing these names fly across the screen, this has got a good fucking cast, man. Max von Sydow, Timothy Dalton, Topple. Yes. What are these people doing in this piece of shit movie? <laughs> oh, it's interesting. I wonder if it was considered piece of a shit at the time. Like, this is 1980. So this comes out after first uh, Star Wars? First, and it might have even, uh, depending on when it came out in 1980, it could have even been after, uh, second. after, yeah. So it's interesting to see maybe people, these actors, wanted to be involved in something like this because of the success of the Star Wars movies? Well, we know that Moonraker happened because space was kind of all the rage, so uh, it's very possible, but man, I don't know. As you mentioned, we're starting with some hot hail. We see Flash Gordon himself, the quarterback of the New York Jets. <laughs> this was hilarious to me. Uh, having no sort of background knowledge on the series, I know it was a comic book, or at least it kind of suggests that to us because we see some sort of comic picture intros. Uh, I had no idea that the hero was going to be the quarterback of the New York Jets. Are they doing a throwback? Who was that super successful quarterback of the Jets early days? Broadway Joe Namath? Yes. So is this kind of like, did they write it about Namath? Is this kind of a... Well, see, that's interesting because Joe Namath is actually in, like, he starred in at least one movie, CC and Company, which is terrible, but you also watch that someday. <laughs> but, like, I, part of me was like, why not just put Joe Namath in this movie? If you're going to do it, because let's be honest here, I don't know who the guy is who plays Flash Gordon, but he's a fucking stiff. Like, <laughs> I'm 90% yeah. sure they're dubbing over his talking. It's not even his voice, but, like, he's not a good actor. He, Stick Joe Namath in there. Just go all the way with it. That's just, hilarious. Just call him fucking Joe Namath. Just, yeah. That's... Joe <laughs> Namath. Uh, savior of the <laughs> <laughs> I think they probably should have um, although this guy has a very He-Man quality to him like in appearance oh he's a nice looking guy and yeah. that comes up as well he's sitting in his car observing this kind of terrible weather he's waiting for a plane at a small airstrip and once a uh, beautiful woman named Dale gets out of a Cobra van they board this plane and as soon as the plane takes off we get some, it looks like meteors pouring down. We find out this is actually pieces of the moon. As you mentioned, that's our beer connection for today. Yeah, we have uh, quite a few connections to the moon. Um, but this is our first one. It turns out that, well, we're going to find out soon because we meet our scientist friend who tells us that the moon is off its axis and is actually going to be threatening Earth with its existence really soon. It's a bad moon. Absolutely it is. Yeah, only instead of rising, it's descending. Crashing. On Earth, there you go. The pilots are not very concerned about this. In fact, the pilot says, Bit of clear air turbulence, nothing serious. <laughs> nothing you'd want to toss a third down pass through either. Just go through the football references, man. There is a hilarious number of football references throughout this movie, um, and I'm excited for us to, uh, to talk about more of them. Absolutely. After signing the autograph for the pilot's kid, Flash Gordon spent some time chatting it up with uh, Dale. Their uh, conversation is interrupted by the sudden appearance of a red moon and the whole sky just filling with red. Yeah, we kind of get an eclipse moment here, an unexplained eclipse happening. 
everything kind of goes dark except for this falling hot hail. From there, we jump to the kind of research station you mentioned earlier, where these strange weather patterns and one piece of falling moon wakes up the research assistant of disgraced scientist, Dr. Hans Zarkov. Yeah, Zarkov seems like he was sort of a up-and-coming promising physicist at NASA, but he has some theories that maybe there's going to be something that attacks Earth from outer space and they discredit him and send him off to research on his own. Well, it seems like he's right now that this is happening. He immediately identifies this as an attack, and that means it's time to launch a counterattack with a <laughs> rocket ship that he built himself. I love this. He has his own rocket. He's built in what looks like a large greenhouse, ready to go and counterattack the aliens. However, he's built it in such a way that he wants to go, but needs someone to put their foot on the red brake. Why can't he put his foot on the red brake? <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand this. Apparently, it needs two people to fly this thing, and his uh, assistant is not so willing to go. Okay, but we see when they launch, spoiler alert, they launch this thing. He just sits there. In fact, he passes out. He doesn't do shit. Why couldn't he have his foot in the brake? It makes no sense, but you're right. His assistant doesn't want to go. Lucky for him, the pilots who have been trying to navigate through this weather end up vanishing suddenly. We get this kind of like bright red flash and an image of the guy we find out is Ming the Merciless. Perhaps he kind of grabs the pilots or takes them. Not really sure, but either way, there's no pilots. So Flash Gordon, who... Luckily, they mentioned is taking <laughs> flying lessons, has to uh, land this plane, and he lands it right next to Dr. Zarkov's lab. Yeah, this is hilarious. He lands it right into sort of a greenhouse uh, on the property of Zarkov's, and they hop out of the plane. And Zarkov tells them that if they need to use the phone, it's inside this rocket capsule, <laughs> yeah. in which they go into. <laughs> <laughs> they don't find this odd at all. They just walk in there. Oh. Sure enough, it's uh, fucking bullshit. And so he's got them in the rap on the rocket. He traps them. And now Flash Gordon is going to be his pedal pusher. Once they're on board this shuttle, we get just a hilarious fight scene. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Uh, the one thing that is consistent throughout this movie is that nobody in it has any real fighting skills. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, in the fight scene, Flash ends up smashing Zarkov's head into the launch button. Irony. <laughs> and the door shuts and they start rocketing off. Uh, a sweet Queen song lights up as they're going up. Yeah, I don't know which song that was. This is uh, Queen's all over the soundtrack, but like realistically, we hear the theme song about like four different times and we hear whatever this song is, and that's kind of it. Yeah, the only other time they pop in, and it's not actual songs, but they play music as part of the sort of mood for action scenes, which I enjoy. There's a lot of uh, rock guitar and piano and keyboards to sort of go with the fight scenes, which is fun. Well, right now we've got a flight scene as they're off to space and we kind of see some sparks flying with Flash Gordon and Dale as they end up kind of holding hands on this launch somehow. This is really weird. Um, they meet on this very early flight. It seems like they're both away on their own and they're heading back to New York. There's no explanation for the connection the two have, but they are in love already. It's very fast. Now, the rocket is headed straight for the source of the attack on Earth. And the aliens actually bring it in for a landing. They can detect it and they pull it in. They send like a samurai boarding party. <laughs> before, guys are before we get there, I want to mention the sort of flight that they take. I find it really interesting in this movie how they create their space or how they create the shots of space. It looked to me like they had put a small object inside of a lava lamp. 
and then shaking it up a bunch. It just looks like swirling liquids on top of each other with like a little figurine moving throughout. That was all of the spaceship scenes. See, to me, it looked more like they had like a model ship in front of a painting and they would just like turn the painting in a circle <laughs> to make it look like it was flying. Yeah, that's fair too. Uh, or, or maybe it's one of those things where they took like a record player and then dropped ink or colors on it and had it spin around as they go there. Maybe it's an Etch-A-Sketch underneath. I'm so, not sure. <laughs> so long story short, not great. The effects no. are not great. No. <laughs> no. Um, when they land and the samurai boarding party shows up, Flash Gordon just fucking flips open the door to the shuttle without checking to see if there's air or anything. It's like opens it wide open. Flash, they're fine. Flash gives zero fucks for atmosphere. Like yeah. he, he doesn't even care. He just pops out and it's all good. Yeah, it is. They can breathe. But that boarding party takes Flash Gordon down by like launching their hands at him. I don't know if they're robots, but like the <laughs> hands come out and they're on these like laser strings. At first it looked like he had a laser gun, but then you're right. The hand shot out. It grabbed Flash and then flips him. It does like a singular flip in the air and then it has another one that grabs him and they kind of hold him and move him in there. Well, they've got him now. And so they lead them to the emperor that's Ming the Merciless. They're sort of led there by this like floating robot that not only kills a random lizard man, but also identifies and disintegrates the gun in Dr. Zarkov's pocket. Uh, this thing is fucking impressive. This robot seems like it can do everything. It hears everything. It sees everything. It can identify and laser things. I want to go back to that disintegrated lizard man. Oh, the, the lizard people. I don't know. They just keep showing up. And for the record, their costumes, <laughs> terrible. Probably the worst costumes and set making. There's a lot of really cool costumes and set in this. The lizard people are horrible. Yeah, and we've seen some bad costumes in the course of our first season and stuff, like the Swamp Thing yes. costume, legendarily bad. Uh huh. Night of the Demons, that Sasquatch, fucking terrible. I would put this right there with those ones. It's really, really, really bad. I agree, absolutely. It is probably needs to go on the BMB. Mount Rushmore? The Mount Rushmore. We do, yeah. Costumes, we need yeah. a Mount Rushmore or like a museum where we have the wax figurines of bad movies and beer. The lizard people in this keep popping up and just getting like smashed or left behind. I had hoped throughout the whole movie there's going to be something, but they, it's weird. It's like they're just the pawn to destroy. They're clearly the lowest class citizen in this weird like moon complex. When they eventually get to the emperor's kind of main court, we see all kinds of creatures, except lizard people. They're not welcome there. We've got like Hawkmen. We've got some guys that look like the male equivalent of like Vegas showgirls. And these kind of like uh, dwarfs that are dressed like condoms. They're these like square plastic. Little people dressed yeah. in Jimmy, as Jimmy hats. Yeah. We're, it, in, we're in a fantasy movie. I think you can say fucking dwarf. Come on. <laughs> so the little people were dressed as Jimmy hats um, <laughs> for sure. It's pretty funny. They play a strange like comedic relief role. It, it they're there for like two seconds. This is weird. They're kind yeah. of like background just scenery. I want to know more about those guys. They stop on a couple feet, but we don't actually get to see where, what moon they're from and what they're yeah. involved in. Are they just right? sentient dong bags? Like, what are we talking here? <laughs> it does seem like each group or piece sort of control one of their own spaces in the universe or kingdom of Ming. And it would have been nice to find out more about some of them. We really only get the story of two of them for yeah, the most part. Let's yeah, let's spend some time on the Jimmy moon. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Uh, well, there is a pleasure moon. We didn't see any of those guys maybe, get there. So oh, maybe they're yeah. there to greet you. Well, I don't. We didn't see them there. I'm thinking that they don't care so much about STDs they're, at they're, this time. <laughs> they're there to ensure your stay is safe. Yeah. 
The Hawkmen offer Ming some kind of tribute, but just then Timothy Dalton shows up with his Moon's contingent, saying that they stole it from them. There's going to be a bit of a fight, but uh, Ming's robot shuts that down. Apparently, there's no fighting in the Emperor's uh, court. This all kind of uh, gets a little awkward a second later when one of the other groups tries to assassinate the Emperor. So no fighting, but here comes one guy trying to kill him. It does not work. He gets taken down quickly and uh, murdered for his trouble. Now, Flash Gordon, in kind of an aside to his lady, sort of mouths off, but that floating robot outs him. Yeah, he says Ming is psycho. And then all of a sudden we hear out of the robot in loudspeaker, Ming is psycho. This broadcast it for everybody. Yeah. Blows up his spot right there. Yeah, Ming's like, who the fuck said that? Yeah. He brings them closer, asks who they are, and Flash Gordon introduces himself as Flash Gordon. Quarterback, New York Jets. New <laughs> York Jets. As if they all know what American football is. Of course, man. Oh, it's great. Uh, the uh, the doctor tries to kind of bargain for Earth's uh, you know continued existence, but uh, Ming is not on board. What Ming does do, though, is bring Dale in for a closer look. And after kind of hypnotizing her with his power ring, this is weird, man. She's like, <laughs> she's kind of like miming putting her arms around uh, either a person or just the giant cock. And then she kind of like rubs one out almost. Yeah, she She's does some like, very erotic motions yeah. while under this hypnotism. And I think it's Ming's assistant says, she seems even more receptive than your daughter. <laughs> Which lends a really creepy aspect to that. We find out later that Ming's metal-headed assistant is into Ming's daughter. Well, we also find out later that Ming's daughter is kind of promiscuous. Let's be honest here. Uh, she fancies a lot of people in this movie, that's for sure. Ming decides he's going to take this exceptional specimen back to uh, his uh, you know, private chambers for his pleasure. Flash obviously takes exception to this. And there's a big fight, which is kind of going poorly for him until <laughs> until, <laughs> until the doctor throws him what is essentially a metal football. And I can't even explain what we're seeing in this scene. Oh, my goodness. This is got to be one of the top five fight scenes we've seen in Bad Movies and Beer so far. Oh, it's fucking ridiculous. So once he gets this metal football in his hands... He turns into football mode and starts sort of shorter charging and knocking people down. He starts throwing passes at their heads. Oh, he's throwing bullets at them. Knocking them down with this metal football. And all of a sudden... He's even calling downs. At one point, he's like, (laughs) down set hut. Also, also... This whole time, he's wearing a t-shirt that just says Flash on it. Yeah, he's wearing his own shirt. I mean, this is perfect. I was laughing so hard. It is hilariously choreographed. Like, this seems almost more like a dance scene than it did a fight scene in many times. And I found that that was a lot of the fights uh, that happened in this seemed that way. Uh, But it was so, so funny. And, of course, who comes out on top in this fight? Not Flash. It was going great for him, but then all of a sudden, Dr. Zarkov throws him a pass when he's not looking, and it drills him in the head and (laughs) knocks him out. So uh, despite Ming's daughter trying to save Flash because she wants a taste, as we mentioned, she's kind of, uh, you know, open for business. He's uh, he's now captured. He's scheduled for execution. Sorry, does Ming want him executed because his daughter's interested and he's trying to protect her sort of reputation or just because of the offenses that Flash has sort of done against his group? I think it's partly because he spoke against him. I think Ming also wants to just be the biggest dick in the room. I think he's just like... Who's this handsome guy? People are into him. Fuck this. I'm in charge here. Like, got to cut that guy down and kind of make a display of power, you know? Now, he gets a last request, and he asks to see Dale. 
They're both pretty convinced that this is a dream, yet Dale is very nervous about some giant hourglass, which I guess is the amount of time that Flash Gordon has until his execution. I don't really know. Yeah, I think that's how much time they have together before she gets pulled away. When she gets pulled away, we know that she's being sort of groomed to be the lover of Ming, and we know that execution is coming for Flash, so she doesn't want this timer to end. Oh, the execution sure is coming. They wheel him out in some uh, leather boxer briefs. and uh, <laughs> They leave nothing to the imagination. Yeah, man. They put him into what looks a lot like an electric chair, but then I guess it's just the chair to hold him there. It's like actually a gas chamber. They put some gas in there. Now, when the gas comes in, his hands kind of go limp, so we think he's died, but... An injection given to him by some kind of space doctor at the request of the princess basically brings him back to life. We never find out how. Well, sorry. We sort of do because <laughs> the do. princess says, By magic, of course. With a kiss. Because I like you. <laughs> come on, man. I want to come back to this in a second, but I want to talk about the sets and the scale in the costuming. This sort of execution scene is incredible in the sort of line of spectators and people watching as they wheel them out and all of the costumes and the set they create is really, really cool. Um, But you're right. We sort of move from the limp hand into a sarcophagus. And when they open the lid, we see Flash there. And then a kiss from our princess brings him back. Yeah, she dresses him up like Captain Obvious from the fucking Hotels.com ads and, like, (laughs) tries to sneak him out of there, which... Oh, my goodness. The scenes of them trying to sneak down the hallways is is hilarious there. Um, Kind of moving and looking around the corners and then doing that, like, kind of hide against the wall in an open room where it doesn't matter. It's, It's pretty funny. I agree. It's pretty fucking funny. Now, we get a little backstory from Ming. He's uh, talking to Dr. Zarkov and tells him that every 1,000 years, he tests the different kind of systems in the universe. Turns out that Earth is now going to be destroyed, and it's because Dr. Zarkov recognized that the hot hail was an attack. It wasn't just one of those naturally occurring sessions of hot (laughs) hail. This is funny. I love how he pins the fault of the destruction of Earth on Zarkov for irony. Again, so much irony in this movie. It's really good. I like that idea. He said if you had have just sort of hid or ignored it and presumed it was a natural occurring event, you wouldn't have been a threat to me. But now your planet is fucked. Too smart, man. We show that Earthlings are too capable. Yep. Now he decides to drain the doctor's mind. And so we see all of his memories on a video screen. Apparently, uh, his wife died in some kind of swimming pool mishap. Yeah, this is a weird inclusion. This is a really large and dramatic sort of memory wipe. The pool mishap is kind of ridiculous. And then we also get like interesting histories of him getting kicked out of NASA and him learning physics. And then we head to fucking World War II. Yeah. Oh, also, this will surprise no one, I guess. Ming is a fan of Hitler. Yeah, this yeah. is rough, right? They take we, a second to be like, oh, that guy had some promise. I was like, what? Yeah. And I, I think it was, yeah, it was like Ming's second in command, I think, who says that. And I guess if you look at Ming, he certainly looks like a dictator uh, in the way that he rules and runs everything, right? So Specifically a, a Chinese dictator? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> we had these conversations throughout, and I asked you, and you kind of made fun of me a bit uh, about it, is whether the Chinese were sort of the, like, evil villain as a part of the Flash Gordon cartoons because both the name Ming and all of the like red and gold and all of the sort of ornamentation on the people in there reminded me of that sort of aesthetic. 
And yet most of the flunkies are British. Well, I mean, the people they hired are. That yeah. doesn't mean that it wasn't sort of intended in that way. I know a lot of the serials at the time were a part of the Cold War, and the villains in them were inspired by the enemies of Britain and the United States. They cast some shit for that now, man. Putting a white guy in an Asian actor's role. Oh, well. would be in trouble. It wouldn't, yeah. I mean, there, there would be a lot to say about the Ming character currently, right? You couldn't make that character in 2021. No. This uh, mind-wiping memory montage here ends with him, like, being born and then just <laughs> seeing himself in the womb, which, how could he have fucking seen that? I love... It's like a side <laughs> view of him, like, looking at himself. Is there a mirror in the womb? I love that they included in there, like, his birthing and his mom's, like, screams <laughs> of pain ridiculous. as he was coming out of her vagina. I thought that was interesting. It's so strange. What a strange choice. They're going to reprogram his brain. Ming specifically orders they reprogram his brain to level three at the highest because a human brain can't handle going higher. Then as soon as he walks out, his fucking uh, chief science lady is like, program his brain level six. This is the point where I realize that I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I'm like, what the, what the fuck are we talking about here? Like level three, level six? What does this mean? At that point, I had that feeling of like, I like that there are some politics going on inside of the sort of Ming empire. I like that different people are trying to do different things to put themselves into the best place or power, right? I think it's interesting that that character chose to do that. We don't really see the repercussions of that later, and I kind of wish that more was fleshed out as a part of that. But. Well, we, we find out why there's the repercussions yes, later, know, and it yeah. is fucking ridiculous. In the meantime, the princess gets Flash to kind of fly her to some of the many moons of Mongo. She wants to take him to her secret pleasure moon, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> to go visit their Jimmy hat friends. There you go. That's right. <laughs> but Flash is a little hesitant because at this point he's madly in love with Dale, who he's known for about 45 minutes of like literal real time. Like they've known each other for like less than an hour. And Flash is going to pass on this like exotic, mysterious, sexy princess and her pleasure moon because he's fucking betrothed to Dale. <laughs> this is hilarious. It's absurd. Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, He's saying no, but he's still not protesting that hard, and they're still heading there. Well, we get a little something in a second, because Ming, Ming's other pleasure girls basically feed Dale what is, I guess, essentially liquid ecstasy to make the night with Ming kind of more bearable. This was a little choppy. It's interesting. So they say, she asks if she won't remember, and they're like, no, you remember, but it won't be as bad, basically. So they're basically getting her hammered so the sex with Ming is tolerable. Oh, yeah, and she guzzles that uh, green liquid. <laughs> oh, does she? Flash Gordon, though, is really thinking of her, so he tries to crash the princess's ship into some kind of ice planets unless she agrees to like connect him with Dale so we can talk to her and she does and we learn so we learn that they have telepathy machines uh, that they can talk to each other and this is why he tries to crash the ship right he wants to, to go there yeah but the whole time he's trying to talk to Dale the princess is just fucking riding him basically and he's He's having a little trouble concentrating, to be honest. He's talking to Dale, and it's going pretty well. But at one point, he's just like, oh, this girl's really turning me on. <laughs> She's just like, what? I love that his brain tells Dale that the other girl who's riding him and kissing him is turning him on. Uh, it's just so good. It is just an amazing moment. Oh, yeah, man. He can't help himself, right? Could, Which that, that at least is reasonable. Like, the, the thing before is absurd, but this could, is fine. Could you imagine trying to have a telepathic conversation with your better half if there was another woman riding on you and kissing your face? No, I cannot. That'd be crazy. <laughs> uh, 
honestly can't remember. It's uh, who knows. <laughs> I'm a little lost now. Sorry. So at this point, they're flying in space. And they're starting to like move past moons and other things. And the space moons and places that they're flying through look like grade school dioramas. It's funny because we just talked about the set design and the costumes and like they're good. Like they're, awesome. They're, yeah, they're, they're, really they're, they're impressive. Like clearly a lot of work went into designing the rooms they're in, the costumes they're wearing, but the actual like they're models. They're models of floating cities, moons, whatever. Those are trash. Those are just really bad. <laughs> I would say the the city they made where the emperor lives was pretty well done. The ones after that, you're right. They were not. I feel like what happened was they spent so much time on the costuming and the other large sets that they didn't put enough money and time into those scenes where they were going to be flying the spaceship by. And it, it does not come off well. Either way, Dale's got a plan here for their escape, and it involves slipping one of the other kind of slave girls some of that liquid ecstasy and switching places with her, which she does, shittily fighting and lasering her way past some weird guards, much to the dismay of Emperor Ming. This this scene with her <laughs> fucking fighting these weird, like, anteater-nosed guys is crazy. I was really having trouble telling if they were robots or, like, living beings. It was hard to tell. They're making weird sounds. That's what it is. Yeah, and she does some, like, cartwheels. She shoots laser guns and has some, like, martial arts moves that we didn't expect. Like all of the other ones, the fight scenes in this movie are fucking awful. So are the laser effects. They're, they're, like, they're like Moonraker adjacent. <laughs> Oh, Moonraker. <laughs> so they send Zarkov after her. She, of course, doesn't realize that he's working for Ming. And the robot-faced guy whose name was like Ke Ke Kegel? No, not Kegel. <laughs> well, we've got the condom, guys. We also have a man named Kegel. Kyrgos? Kegos. Kyrgos. Whatever the fuck his name is. His name is Clytus. Clytus. The robot-faced man is a really cool costume, by the way. I, really, I love it. Yeah. I really like the Clytus costume. <laughs> it reminded me something, I think, from the Marvel Universe. Um, but it is definitely an impressive he's a, costume. He's a little Dr. Doomish. Yes, I, yeah. I agree. He does look like Dr. Doom. He sends them off to find Flash Gordon, who they learned is still alive. Flash Gordon is on the moon Arborea, where in a temple, a young boy is being initiated into something. Uh, <laughs> there's there's some sort of like drums and like a bunch of moaning sounds. And a at this lot point, of men yeah. moaning. It seems like they're in the middle of circle jerking a young boy. Well, not young boy. Oh, I guess he's, we better say that again. We better say it, that again. It seems like they're circle jerking a man who's coming, or like a, a man coming oh, to bet adulthood. He is. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a circle. What's nope. happening is there is a weird tree with a strange scorpion-like thing in the middle. Well, it, that's in the middle, but outside there's a bunch of holes. And so I guess he's supposed to f*** the tree without getting stung by this scorpion? That's how it interpreted. I actually referred to this as the sort of f*** tree for the remainder of yeah. the movie. Yeah. No, that's not what happens. It turns out that he needs to f*** it. And if, he, <laughs> and if he can f*** this tree without getting stung, then he's going to live a long, fruitful oh. life. But unfortunately, the kid gets stung, so Timothy Dalton has to put him out of his misery by killing him. I guess this is Timothy Dalton's movie. He's a prince or something. The princess wants to leave Flash Gordon there, but uh, Timothy Dalton is jealous and lashes out by saying, I knew you were up to something, though I confess I hadn't thought of necrophilia. All I want you to do is keep him for me. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, she did kind of bring him back from the dead and does want to kind of get with him. So Dalton's not wrong on this. Dalton feels scorned because I think this princess is sort of betrothed to him. The two of them have a relationship, and I think are supposed to be married. 
something's going on, but you're wrong about one thing. Necrophilia is when you sleep with a dead person. If he's brought back to life, this is like zombie sex at the very, you know, worst. So it's fine in your mind. I mean, he's conscious. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he agrees to let Flash stay there, but as soon as she leaves, he tries to lure him into some kind of swamp in like a cage. So that's bad. He cages them with two reptile men, the poor reptile men. Yeah, also bad. The princess is being tortured by that robot-faced uh, Dr. Doom-looking guy. In fact, he's going to go get the boar worms. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, it sounds awful, and they threaten this a couple of times and talk about it a few times, but don't show it. It's like they couldn't come up with the sort of... Creature effects budget? Yeah, I think yeah. so, to show the horribleness of boar worms. I'm really intrigued what it would look like now, but uh, yeah. On the good news side of things... Dr. Zarkov, it turns out, hasn't has his memory wiped because uh, when they were trying to wipe it, he recited Shakespeare and also the Talmud and sang himself a Beatles song. So no problem. Humanity. What, what above the fuck all- is this? Yeah. So this part is there's some like a lot of loose ends in this shit. But this one is one of the worst ones because it clearly shows on those machines his mind being wiped and all that stuff disappearing from him. But because he was able to hang on to those three things, I guess he maintains his personhood. I guess so. Whatever it was, he said that blocked it, which I'm not going to argue with the doctor, although that is complete horseshit. It makes no sense whatsoever. Now, the Hawkmen show up right now in what at first seems like good news. We think they're going to kind of get them to help them. In fact, they even fly them to their uh, floating Hawk City in a scene that doesn't look even a little bit realistic. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I would say one of the worst effects in this entire movie is the green screen usage. Anytime anyone's flying... It's atrocious. And I, I mean flying like the Hawkman fly or like even in like in a, if we see Flash Gordon in like a rocket fucking scooter kind of thing yes. later, it's awful. Yeah, it, it is really bad. And I know that technology has come a lot, like come along a lot since the late 70s, but it's fucking unconscionable. It's like, I don't even understand how that can even happen on screen. Full credit for whoever made the Blu-ray transfer because they did a really good job. The colors are popping. Like it looks yeah, nice. It is. Great. I feel like they also erased what should have been very clearly strings that we would have seen holding the actors up because <laughs> like, dude. Yeah, maybe you're right. I Maybe because the person who did the Blu-ray did such a good job, it seems even more glaring. Yeah, I can only assume. Back on Arborea, Timothy Dalton wants to kill Flash Gordon without the princess knowing that he killed him. So he kind of sends his main man to the swamp cage to stage some kind of escape. Now, this guy takes Flash to the temple to get weapons, but it's a trap. There's no weapons. Instead, they're going to make him fuck that tree. <laughs> no, it's not fuck its fist. It's the fisting tree. That's right. I'm sorry. Timothy Dalton uh, goes ahead and fists it first. Calls him a coward if he won't do it, so it's go time. Flash Gordon successfully penetrates the tree without getting stung. Timothy Dalton calls double or nothing. Again, no one gets stung. Then he changes the rules Hold and on. makes Flash Gordon stick his hand in there a third time. Before Flash goes for the third time, he declares second down and does it That's cleanly. True. God damn it, the football <laughs> metaphors. And then, so Flash goes in for a third penetration of this tree, and what happens? Well, he acts like he got stung, but it turns out it's a ruse. He gets the drop on Dalton when Dalton comes to finish him off and escapes, uh, kind of. He immediately falls into quicksand. We're like, oh, fuck, he's fucked. He sinks down and it covers his face. But then he pulls himself out by like a big vine. But then he immediately falls into some sort of like Venus flytrap type like ground plant. So he's fucked again. I'm like, <laughs> really a roller coaster sequence here. Yes, this set of three minutes where Flash is going to die one to the tree, two to the quicksand, three to the Venus flytrap, only to be saved by Dalton. Well, I mean, 
Dalton basically kills the plants that he can then kill Flash Gordon himself. He wants the satisfaction. But before he can, the Hawkmen show up. They grab Flash. They grab Dalton. They take them back to the Hawk Kingdom. Yeah. The Wingdom, they call it. Yep. They're going to kill Timothy Dalton, but he wants trial by combat, and he chooses Flash Gordon as the guy he's got to fight. And we're about to get just an incredible sequence after a quick reunion between uh, Flash Gordon and Dale. Hold on. I got to go to this reunion between Flash and Dale before we get to the combat. That's why I just said after a reunion of Flash and Dale. I know, which is good because it's at this point that apparently they get engaged and talk about their future children. And again, at this point, they know each other for what, like an hour 15, maybe? Yeah, not even. They barely know each other. They're engaged. And not even movie time, like real time. (laughs) Real time in this story. Uh, Flash has been turned on by another princess several times during this, admitted it in a mental transfer to Dale. Dale's gotten super drunk and almost fucked an emperor of worlds, but escaped by doing some weird moves. This is quite the relationship they're building here. This is happening so fast. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But now we get to see whether her future husband will survive a fight to the death with Prince Baron. And that's what it is. They are fighting with whips on like a round platform hovering over, again, just terrible green screen effects. Now, the Hawkman Prince, whose name is like Vulcan or something? Vulco? I didn't hear his fucking name. Uh, (laughs) So the worst actor in the movie, by the way. He's really bad. But he's controlling this platform. He's got a remote control that will tip it up, down, make spikes come out. After a a little back and forth, Flash wins this fight. Timothy Dalton's hanging over the edge, but Flash saves him. And, you know, that the the Hawkmen are like, what the fuck? But Flash Gordon, that's humanity on display. And uh, his, uh, I guess, fiance now is like, oh, Flash. I did love the oh, Flash. It felt super 60s to me, and it, it felt appropriate for where Flash Gordon might fit terms of the comics i did want to mention during this scene that both flash and uh, dalton had amazing hair that never compromised oh it's glorious yeah wind is blowing it but then it goes right back to position it's perfect and i i noticed that throughout this movie that they were able to maintain just amazing hair throughout and i i have to commend the filmmakers for that you don't become james bond with bad hair this doesn't happen no it's think true. about the bonds we've seen great hair or unless you're sean connery you just wear a fucking rug it's true. But we then we have... <laughs> that was a dig at Connery. I don't no, know. Everyone knew he had a toupee. Oh, Everyone knew. Poor, Everyone poor, knew. Poor Connery. Okay. Um, so we go from the O-Flash and the humanity, and what happens? Well, it's a short-lived victory because uh, the robot face guy shows up again. Clytus. Clytus, I guess is his name. He shows up to threaten atomization and uh, basically shit on everyone's good time. Flash throws him onto the spikes and holy shit. <laughs> so so hold on here. I have spikes. Come on, go ahead. So it's not just Flash throwing him onto the spikes. We get a tag team here. Baron and Flash, after their fight to the death with no death, become partners. Timothy Dalton sort of throws Clytus into a compromised position. And we see a great football shoulder charge, which knocks Clytus <laughs> onto that spike platform and ends him. And but, we get a wonderful death. What happens Dude, here? that's what I'm going to say. He, first of all, he's the only guy that lands in the spikes. We don't see Dalton or Flash Gordon <laughs> land the spikes the whole time. They both should have got spiked at least 15 times during that fight. But this fucking Dr. Doom motherfucker lands on there, and his eyes pop out of his skull like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall. <laughs> That's a good what, drop down. What, yes. what caused that to happen? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I agree. That was just a hilarious way that he died. I also noticed a grotesque tongue that also popped out and came out of yeah. his mouth too. So he has a pretty good death moment. I mean, no one's sad to see Clytus go. No, it's like he's been depressurized. 
the Hawkman freak out at leave at this point. So now Timothy Dalton, Flash, Dale, and the uh, good doctor are stuck there. They're talking about parachuting down to Arboria, which would most likely kill them. But suddenly Ming shows up to grab them. And he also offers Flash Gordon his own kingdom on Mongo. Flash is a little confused, but Ming says, I've never met your kind before. Some sort of, again, statement to Flash Gordon's humanity. But there's a catch with all this. See, Flash will be ruling Earth. So all of the Earthlings will be his slaves. And when he asks about possibly taking Dale with them, Ming's like, no, no, no. I'm going to marry that girl. Because uh, <laughs> apparently put a ring on it. Yeah, he, yeah he Dale is just yeah. so desirable that everyone falls in love with her within five minutes of meeting her. Uh, apparently that machine said she was insatiable in bed, and that is what Ming it did. It did say she right? was something yeah. about her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no dice, Flash Gordon says. So Ming leaves him there and is going to blow up the city, but Flash manages to escape. On a rocket cycle, he slides out of there <laughs> just before the diorama of the Hawk City gets blown up. <laughs> this rocket cycle is just like horrendous sci-fi. It is a strange, it looks like an old person's walker um, <laughs> with a dildo glued to the well, front. Why, man? <laughs> it literally looks like there is a large dildo glued to the front of a walker with He-Man riding it. Oh, God, and he does ride it. Uh, and now it's time to rally the Hawkman. While Dale gets in a cat fight with the princess. <laughs> She's so mad that the princess was putting moves on uh, Flash that uh, they get into an interesting sort of takedown slash pillow fight. Best scene in the movie. <laughs> I mean, the most likely scene to make you have to tuck, I guess. You talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Wait, did you say tug? Tuck. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They bond over their mutual hardships, and the princess gives Dale a poison that she can slip to Ming because apparently Ming always takes a power potion before having sex. <laughs> he's, got, he's, got, he's got space Viagra. <laughs> the man needs to power up before he fucks. Got, <laughs> he can't go in soft. So I guess that's the plan. They're going to spike his fucking space Viagra. No, she won't, though. She says that she can't do it. Because she's human, she can't live that way. That's oh. what makes the people of Ming's world different from humans. There you go. She's better than that. She's going to just let him fucking... <laughs> <laughs> she's going to let just Ming <laughs> do his dirty deeds to save the planet Earth. Just then, Flash appears on his rocket cycle... He's drawing the tension from this ship of Ming's, the Ming's kind of planetary defenses, so the Hawkman can attack, which we learn this in a scene where they're, uh, like, supposed to be flying in space, allegedly, but you can tell they're all just, like, on strings, or some of them are just, like, laying down. It's, the effects, again, they're so bad. <laughs> we got it's it's atrocious. There's there's no denying it. The green screen work in this movie is gotta be the worst effect. Uh, it's really like, bad out of all of them. I wonder when green screen was invented. Maybe this is like a new thing, and they were like trying it out for the first time. I don't know. We get a giant battle uh, in which the the Hawkman take multiple casualties. Which like wasn't the whole point that he would distract them and the Hawkman would be able to attack without being seen. They're fucking seeing them a mile away. They did kind of get the jump, but they weren't close enough to not take a ton of casualties, right? The Hawkmen are taking it pretty bad. But in the end, they're able to overwhelm sort of the Ming ship. And now it's time to crash that wedding because Ming and uh, Dale are about to get married. The princess frees Dr. Zarkov and Timothy Dalton, and they have an exchange 
where Dalton and the princess talk about how they've changed. But as soon as he asks her to uh, marry him and she's like, I don't know just yet. He's like, you haven't changed at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. We're looking out for fucking Timothy Dalton to start kicking some shit over, I think. What a wedding this is, by the way. We get a guitar solo version of Here Comes the Bride. Dale's there in like a black wedding dress. Now, in order to get there and kind of smash up this wedding, someone is going to have to take down the lightning field. There's a lightning field around the palace, which the effects for this are also just terrible. <laughs> you mean those like glowing lights that the, uh, the appear around the diorama? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this castle is pretty well protected. Um, we know that the Hawk people and Flash are working to go and take on Ming. This is a great time because he's distracted with his wedding and they're they're working their way towards the castle. But you're right. Something has to happen to that lightning field or we know it's the end of Flash Gordon. Yeah, now he actually volunteers to crash the uh, rocket ship he's flying into it. The leader of the Hawkman tries to talk him out of it, but he won't be deterred. And the, the leader of the Hawkman says, That must be one hell of a planet you men come from! Not too bad. (laughs) Really underselling the Earth there, I guess. Um, The Hawk people are quite impressed with uh, Flash's sort of uh, willingness to commit. But, you know, he's an NFL quarterback. We know that they can go all the way. Apparently, yeah. That's the one football fucking saying we didn't hear. Luckily, Dr. Zarkov takes down the field and Flash drives the ship right into the palace. And when he does, he impales Ming on, like, the long, pointy sort of, like, it's sort of like the bowsprit of a ship. He, there you go, bowsprit. It's kind of the spaceship bowsprit. Puts it right through Ming, and I laughed for a good like minute and a half. Yeah, it's pretty fucking happened. funny. Yeah. It popped me. It was just hilarious that it was this penis-shaped ship that comes through and impales <laughs> Ming to end his sort of wedding and the terror that he's holding over the universe. is just so funny. Time's running out for Earth, so Flash Gordon tells him, you need to call off the attack, but Ming basically tells him to fuck off. Uh, however, Ming like disintegrates and kind of gets absorbed into his power ring, which then like drops to the ground. So I guess he's dead. Seems like the earth is safe, but just then that fucking death robot that killed the lizard man and evaporated that gun shows up. And this looks like trouble. Yeah. I, we're thinking that maybe he saved the earth. Maybe he hasn't. The countdown was down to like one or two seconds when Ming disappeared. So we're like, did the earth get saved or not? Robot shows up and. Oh, it's no problem. He says hail flash. And there's much celebrating. Everyone gets a happy ending. Um, Literally. There's just you know, everywhere. Oh my God. For crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> All the people of Mongo get to go free. The Hawkmen even spell out Flash when they fly away. They, like, coordinate themselves. Like, yes. goddamn, come on. Like a fucking air show. Yeah. Oh, man. I guess Dalton's going to be in charge now, it seems like. I don't and know. the princess. And the princess. Yeah, it's all fucking working out. Except someone we see with the final shot. We see them pick up the power ring. A very black gloved hand picks mm-hmm. up the ring that absorbed Ming's power. And we hear the laughter of Ming the Merciless. And it says the end. And all of a sudden we get a question mark. Yes. Next to the end. Possible sequel. It didn't happen. We get played out by Queen. Of course. It's the same Flash Gordon theme song. We're bookending it. Yes. And that's it, it, man. Uh, I kind of wonder why there wasn't a sequel. Apparently this movie was like number one at the box office only for a week. It fucking nosedived after that. I guess it like barely made its money back. But I can't believe someone didn't pump out a fucking sequel in like the 40 years since this. 
It's interesting, right? I think maybe it didn't happen because of the other kind of space movies that became successful afterwards, right? It just didn't open the door for this kind of, like, this is, like, absurdly zany compared to the other sci-fi movies that we <laughs> watch, right? It's very zany, yeah. Right? Like, this almost lends itself more to fantasy than it does science fiction. The only science fiction is that it's in space, but it is more of a fantasy kind of theme or timeline. Fuck, man. Save it for your review. Let's rate this thing. This is what we do right now. <laughs> We're at the end here. We're going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. We do it twice like we always do. 1 to 10 for how bad. 1 to 10 for how enjoyable. And the goal is to find movies that are 10 out of 10 on both scales. Or as we call it, the Crit 20. And I haven't actually written down a rating for this movie. I'm going to kind of freestyle it. I'm really torn up here because on the one hand, this movie is fucking ridiculous. Oh, yes, absolutely so. Again, many parts of the story make no sense. The effects are really bad. I kind of want to give it a 10, but I'm I'm sort of being pulled back a little bit by the costume and like set design. Like, Do you, you want to switch our order today? You know what? It's highly irregular, but I'm going to do it because I need a little more time. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give a vote. So All right. you, you have your bad ready. I have my bad ready. Let's hear it. It's a 10 bad. Okay. So acting absolutely atrocious <laughs> it's like really, it's, it's, really it's not even questionable like the delivery of most lines the sort of trying to express feeling dalton might carry a little bit of weight in this movie but he does not do enough to pull it out of the 10 zone for that <laughs> acting yeah the science fiction all of the scenes of them in space are some of the worst we've ever seen okay the fight scenes yep so poorly choreographed the interactions, punches, fall downs are so unbelievable. <laughs> green screen. Oh, yeah, you're right. The green Those screen's so bad. Those two words alone oh, make this deserve a 10 rating. Yeah. And I think I don't even need to say more. You've kind of talked me into it now. You're right. The costumes and set design. I mean, the costumes are like, they're nice, but they're nice in a very like B-movie way. Like it, it's ridiculous the shit these guys are wearing. So me holding off on that. You've talked me into it. I'm going to give it a 10 also for bad. I'm not going to give it a 10 for enjoyable. Like, I had a good time. I'd watch it again. It is entertaining. It's going to sound so strange, but I tell you this during Total Recall. It's colorful. It's bright and colorful, and that yeah. in a way makes it kind of like more exciting. I don't know, man. There are just times where the acting's so bad. There were times where I was like confused, and I was kind of like, I can't really get behind some of these performances. It was taking me out of it a little bit. I'm going to give it a 9. It's a high wow. score, but yeah. I cannot go for the 20. Through the 19 down there. Were there were just a couple times where I was like, it's a little bit, it's dragging a little bit. It's kind of ridiculous. So I'm going to go with the nine. Okay. You're up last. What do you got here? So there's some things I enjoyed. I enjoyed a lot of the lines. I like okay, I like yeah. some of the dialogue. They popped me at times. The costumes, like you said, were pretty amazing. I really yep. like some of the sets. The soundtrack, Queen leading the way with <sighs> many of those. I wish there were more. At times, I, was, I even communicated to you, I wish this was a rock opera. Sure. Like if we could have made this a space rock opera, like, <laughs> yeah, my pants wouldn't have been clean. Oh, like, <laughs> oh God, Jesus. <laughs> it was so absurd. I loved some of the feelings. I enjoyed Dalton's performance. I enjoyed how Flynn-like it felt. You know what? I'm going with a 10. Get the fuck out of here. This Are you kidding me? This is my first. What? Yeah. Are you shitting me? Yeah, crit 20. Crit 20. I cannot believe it. What's coming out of nowhere? It popped me. This movie popped <laughs> oh, me. wow, um, man. It just fit the right amount of sort of fantasy, fun, adventure for me. It had just such lengths of absurdity that I couldn't help but enjoy myself. Yeah. Okay, I get that. I just, you, you know, I gave it a fucking 19, so I don't know why I'm acting like it's out of the realm of possibility. 
Did it help at all? This is basically like, because you're a big fucking sword and sorcery guy. Oh, yeah. Did it help that this is essentially that? This is space sword and sorcery. Absolutely. This, to me, was like a group of outcasts coming together, led by a ridiculous New York Jets quarterback. He's the quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) How can this not explode me in so many ways? It, It was the perfect culmination for me of ridiculousness. Flash Gordon hit me in the right places. Apparently, Jesus, I can't believe it, but it's true. We've got our third ever Crit Crit 20. 20, 20, 20. So welcome to the Bad Movies and Beer Hall of Fame, Flash Gordon. Fucking good thing we got that request, eh? BJ, thanks, man. Thank you to BJ. Good request. He clearly has listened to enough episodes to know what pops uh, Nolan. So There we go. And uh, I don't even know where to go from here. I guess we'll talk about uh, the beer. How did you feel about it? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite a palatable double IPA. I really enjoyed sort of the very melon-forward taste. It had a great mouthfeel. I would definitely go back to this well. I know you're not really a double IPA man. I'd love to hear your your feedback, though. I am not a double <laughs> IPA man. And you know what? This was a stiff one for me. Yeah. But I got through it because, you know, it's what we're drinking this week, and it can't always be about me. So uh, not my style. Everyone knows I'm not the IPA guy. Uh, a double IPA, in my books, that's twice as bad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to try some more Third Moon, and I'd also really like to take a visit to Badlands. I hear their stuff's really hard to get as well. Good luck, man. Yeah, I was going to say. If you can, though, apparently everyone who's had it like raves about it, but it's tough. So if you're in the Ontario area, Milton, Ontario, uh, wherever the fuck Badlands is, by all means, try it out. Um, But again, this week, just not my style. Now, what is my style is the movie that we are watching next week. We're going to be watching the remake of a little film called The Jazz Singer. Al Jolson's The Jazz Singer? That's the original, but this is the version that stars Neil Diamond. Like Sweet Caroline? That's correct. He does not (laughs) sing that in the movie, but this was his attempt to become a feature film actor. Did he make any other films after this? I mean, he appears in Saving Silverman, but it's not uh, what you would call a starring role. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm excited for this. Is it a musical? No, but he pl- he just he, let's be, he plays Neil Diamond. Let's be honest here. It's, it's Neil Diamond playing, playing Neil Diamond. In I movie. love Neil Diamond, so like I could not could not wait to watch this movie. Uh, having said that, some parts have been a little bit rough. <laughs> we'll get to that next week. Uh, if you have not already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. If you uh, want to send us any suggestions for movies and or beers, uh, you can slide into our DMs that are. Uh, Instagram and Twitter feed, or you can send us an email at the BNB podcast at gmail.com. That's what BJ did. And somehow, somehow it happened. <laughs> Led to uh, my first crit 20. After all that, it's unbelievable. That'll do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Cooper and I'm Nolan, and we'll see you next time on bad movies and beer. Keep it flashy. Oh, that's so perfect. <laughs> He'll save every one of us. 